0: Blue line leaves it. Kale McCarr winds, fires,
1: Score! Now Rubidoux, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net. What a save made by Philip Grubauer. Just outstanding stuff. I am Grub. And oh. Zadorov smash! Oh, 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 oh. oh my
0: goodness! Yeah, What a bone crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov!
1: And Howard has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another episode of Avalanche Talk brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook App, the number one rated sportsbook app in America. I am your host, JJ Jerez, with me as always, of Dean. It's a 4th of July edition of our podcast here. Figured, you know, it's Friday night, you and I don't have much lives going on, why not just record and talk about the latest happenings in the NHL, right Aref?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for letting everyone know that I don't have much of a social life, but you know what? Not I. If there's a pandemic going on. That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it.
1: There you go. If you're not running your recording podcast, that's all we need from you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the first and foremost, I guess, is Avalanche players are returning to skating. I mean, we've seen a handful more returning. It's tough because we're only seeing a handful of pictures from the Avalanche social media teams, Twitter, Instagram, anything we can get, we're keeping an eye on to see who's actually showing up at practice. But we've got Miko Rantanen uh, in the house this week, and a couple more guys have shown their faces lately. Yeah, Andre Burakovsky's back. Matt
0: Calvert, those are two guys that were injured. Obviously, Rantanen was also hurt. Nazem Kadri's been skating for a couple weeks. We got some goalies in the house. Hunter Miska skating. Uh, I believe Michael Hutchinson, I think I saw him. Grubauer's been there since the beginning. So Ian Cole showed up. We just got a lot of guys there now.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to me when we saw Hunter Misca. I mean, I recognized him by his pads. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known you know, That's why I asked net. you.
0: I I am not the goalie guy. I,
1: I couldn't figure out who it was. So thanks for right. pointing that one out he's, for me. He's got those neat little mountains at the bottom of his. I think they're Vaughn pads. Um, but it's still strange. We touched on it, I think, on the last episode. But Suze seems to be nowhere nowhere to be found. I mean, we're seeing Hunter Misca in net for God's sakes
0: yeah and i'm not necessarily going to be too worried about it just yet but it's at least worthy of a discussion now that it's july 3rd training camps are expected to tentatively start on the 13th so we're talking 10 days a week from monday and we've not seen one of the avalanche's two goaltenders that are going to more than likely see play time in this return to play tournament and in the playoffs and uh that's a little bit of a cause for concern. It will be even more so if next week we're recording and he's not there yet, uh, especially with Ranton and Burakovsky, who we know were in Sweden and Finland. They're back now, and to have him not be back yet is at least worthy of a discussion at this point on July 3rd.
1: Yeah, there have been a lot of negotiations this week regarding kind of the business side of the sport, and we'll get into that kind of the later half of the podcast here. But one of those things that was kind of nailed down is that players have negotiated that Any player that decides he doesn't want to come and participate in this return to play tournament will not be penalized in either way in any form. So I guess that brings a question like, of course, it's okay technically for a player to not show (coughs) up to training camp and not show up to this tournament. But in reality, is it actually okay for a player to not show up to this tournament and to training camps? I
0: think it's going to be a very small number, but I do think that we will have up to maybe 10 total. Uh, And I don't know what level of play these guys are going to be. You know, if if somebody like Artemi Panarin says, I'm not coming back, that's a bad example because we know what he he tweeted last week. But if somebody like, you know, Austin Matthews says, I'm not coming back, that's a big deal. Or Mitch Marner or something like that. Uh, One of the big shots on the Flyers, but... The reality is, man, players like Max Domi uh, are immunocompromised. Players like Anton Strauman, who's ha- who has a history of respiratory issues, is- are immunocompromised. There's a lot of players that have expecting wives. So, you know, not saying it's going to happen on the avalanche, but if, you know... A player of the level of matt calvert or a player of the level of matt nieto one of those fourth liners 10 to 12 minute a game guys decide they're not going to show up you know you might see someone like that decide to take a step back and i think it's they're going to be fully supported but in the grand scheme of things everything that i've heard from you know bigger journalists that have those connections to players is and i've shared these articles with you every time i come across them is, and these tweets is I think 50% of the players are not down for this, but I think 100% of the players are gonna show up. That's what you keep seeing repeated over and over again. And you know it might not be 100% because one player automatically cuts that percentage down to 99 point something. But for the most part, yeah man, even if people are not open for this, the reality is there's a lot of money on the table And the NHL of all the big sports, in my opinion, are doing the best job of making this the safest and best plan possible. And players are going to suck it up and do it whether they like it or not. So in terms of do they want to do it? Maybe not. In terms of are they going to and are they going to show up? I can say probably you can count on one hand, maybe two hands,
1: the amount of players that are not going to show up for this. You always do a great job of hitting my biggest point right before I do. So thank you for that. But Right there, you said it for me. I think it's okay for some players to not come. But when you're a big-name guy and, you know, a face of a franchise, yeah. I don't think it's you're going to get that kind of pass. You're not going to get it from the team ownership. You're not going to get it from your teammates. Um, so, you know, it's really a tough kind of teeter-totter here for a player who would actually be worried. You know, it would be tough for them um, to really think about what they want to do. But, you know, as far as the hub cities go, you know, I have – a reliable source that tells me um, that an Avalanche player was spotted golfing recently, and who cares about that? Whatever, he can golf if he wants. But that's just another point, a testament to how these guys, it's hard to control them. I mean, they're young, they've got a lot of money, they're bored, you know, they're going to do things that they want to do. And I'm not, you know, I think golf is perfectly fine, and it's safe, and, you know, there's no real risk there. But it's just a, you know, a small little example of how it's hard to control every single aspect of these guys' lives to make sure that they're staying clean I mean and safe. Yeah, I'll take it a step
0: further. Gabe Landeskog has been posting pictures all week about him and of him and Nazem Kadri golfing. Uh Miko Rantanen posted pictures of himself. Let me see if I can remember. It was Comfort, Donskoy, Barbario, and Rantanen were all playing tennis. They were playing doubles tennis and On a side note, that would be a game that I would love to get in on. Uh, A couple of Europeans, they'd probably whoop my ass, but, you know, who knows. But, you know, these guys are playing these things. They're obviously going to public places in order to play this. And you might see some positive cases here and there, but this is why we're going to get them into the bubble where the only people they're going to be interacting with are each other and not the general public. And that's when you know that, you know, this is going to be at its safest. In terms of Phase 2 right now and the upcoming Phase 3 training camp – it's still going to be mixing athletes with the general public, going home, driving into you know into the Pepsi Center, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's going to be some positive tests there, but yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's hard to control these guys, and that's why all these hub cities that have been coming out with these ideas and these and these plans of uh, hosting the NHL, they've been coming out with all of these extra amenities for the players. You can go to these bars and these restaurants and golfing and 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 ping pong and pool and. All these things that are basically saying, hey, you don't have to sit in your hotel room for 20 hours out of the day and go play hockey for four hours. You have things to do and we have things to offer for you. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're our age and, you know, we, you and I have been in quarantine since March and so has the general population and our listeners as well. It's hard to not be able to have much of a social life, even if you play hockey for a living, even if you make millions doing it. It's hard.
1: Well, I'm not sure if you've followed much of what's going on in the NBA, or I guess the NBA players' latest complaint about the Hub City is yep. just the lack of sex that's going to be had there, and that's something you know that is probably on a lot of NHL players' mind too. I mean, two and a half months—that's a—that's a long time. I mean. For me anyway. Hey. I just I
0: just <laughs> I just love that the NBA is the league to bring that out and 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 I absolutely adore that because that would be the kind of thing that I would do, but if I was in the NHL I would be too worried to be that guy. But in regards to that story, my favorite article that I saw, it was a headline. I'm not sure if you remember Tyler Kennedy from back when the Penguins were winning Stanley Cup while well, we're winning that 09 Stanley Cup when they had that back-to-back with Detroit. Uh that was a fun time. Tyler Kennedy, there was an article that was titled something along the lines of Tyler Kennedy says, do you think Sidney Crosby is out there worried about having sex? He just wants to win a Stanley Cup. And I'm like, can we not hockey up this story too? Can we not make hockey that. about the, the logo on the front, not the sex you have at home? Like, can we just not do that for once? Let's treat hockey players like the human beings that they are.
1: I would say a Coach You know, when we were younger, make sure to tell us not to do it on game days because it takes your legs away from you. So I don't know if there's any truth to that, but maybe NHLers abide by that, too. You know, those are the kind of things that I'd be more than happy to ask some of our
0: uh, favorite (laughs) players. Uh, Off the record, once I build that rapport, I don't think I can go up to Landeskog and ask him that. But you know what? Maybe in three to four to five years when I'm a big shot, I can do it.
1: Who knows? (laughs) Hilarious. So Funny thing that's kind of been going on, I think, from reports outside of the negotiations is just kind of the ambiguity. It feels like there's a lot that we still don't know. I mean, people can't really nail down what's the actual sentiment of the players. You know, it seems like it's a bigger split than we're realizing. But a lot of reporters that are close and have those sources are kind of saying – you know, it's hard to really nail down what it is. And it was kind of the same thing with the hub cities. I mean, we all expected the hub cities to kind of be announced a lot sooner than anticipated. So it's just, I don't know, a little bit nerve wracking for me that, um, you know, things just can't, can't seem to be uh, developing enough for somebody to solidly proclaim anything, really.
0: And like always, when we talk about this, I'm going to take the other side and I'm going to say I disagree with you. And the reason why is because about a month ago now, the NBA came out and announced that Florida is going to be their hub. They're going to play in Orlando. And then they started to come up with all these rules and regulations. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. This is what's going to be available to us. This is what's. And in my head, I'm just like, why are you guys rushing all of these details when you're not playing for another six to eight weeks? You wanna start in August and it's June 10 or June 15 or whatever the hell the date was, and you're out here announcing these things that, let's face it, are very fluid situations because of the current pandemic and what's going on. So the NHL is doing everything in their power to know we have until this possible day to make it happen. We want to play on August 1st. Let's take every minute we can and exhaust every avenue to make sure that we do this right. We got the right hub cities. We are in the right situation and we don't have to come back and say, actually, never mind on Vegas, we're going to go to Edmonton, never mind Chicago, we're going to go to Columbus. They didn't want to be put in that situation and the reality is the nhl also gave themselves some leeway to work with because they said training camps have to start by july 10 and they set up three weeks of training camps and we've been saying it since the start what the heck do they need 21 days for and now they're like you know what we'll start on the 13th and you fly to your hub city on the 26th so now it's a 13 day training camp and if that needs to be cut down too you want to know what it's going to be cut down as well so the nhl is doing the right thing they had vancouver as a hub as, as a as a contender to be a hub city. And then that fell out because of what we said last week with Dr. Bonnie Henry saying that four cases in the city of Vancouver, uh, four cases within the NHL bubble means we have to pause it. And that was a no-go for the NHL. And then Vegas became a contender. And then we all saw what happened with the cases spiking in, Vegas, in Nevada and, and in the Southern US in general. And they pulled out, but the NHL didn't announce anything. These were just reports coming out and now they've done it the right way. It's July 3rd. Edmonton, Edmonton and Toronto are all but guaranteed to be the two hub cities. They're mixing in these CBA negotiations, this memorandum of understanding, and they're just doing it the right way. I can't say that enough. So unlike you, I'm not really stressed about this or nervous about it. I think the NHL is doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something to look positively towards how quickly Tampa Bay, whether you think it's right or wrong, it seems like they thought they were in the clear to start their training camp and to start their phase two over after just five days of those that group of people, whoever they were, players, training staff, whoever, um, tested positive. And, again, we saw it in St. Louis just yep. actually a couple hours before we started this Correct. podcast. So, um, you know, we'll see kind of how the league and how that team and everybody around there – reacts to to that you know it's just going to be telling to what's going to happen in the future because I mean again this isn't the end of it it's not going to be over with St. Louis we're going to hear more players testing positive more teams having a group of players test positive and it's just about how they how they react and how they handle it and I, I think so far there's a lot to be uh you know positive about
0: yeah absolutely and I think the NHL is going to do the right thing in terms of like the other sports that are sort of working on getting players to their hubs, uh, things like that, is the NHL is going to test everybody before they send them off to their hub city. And if the Avalanche do a bunch of tests and Landeskog and Calvert test positive two days before you have to go, well, you know what? They're not going on that initial flight. Everybody else will. They will start practicing in Edmonton and Calvert and Landeskog will continue to get tested daily until those two players test negative Once you test negative, then you get on a flight, you go join them in the hub city, and you enclose into this area where everybody is negative, and the virus has a very low chance of entering this hub city. Still a possibility, but a low chance. So that's the way it's going to go. The NHL is going to get everybody in there. There's a lot of questions we've had about, you know, who's going to serve them food? Who's going to... Who's going to shovel the ice between periods? That's one of my favorite questions. Is who's going to come out between periods and shovel the snow of the ice uh, off the ice? You know, during three commercial breaks, mm-hmm. who's going to drive the Zamboni? Who's going to do all these things? And are they going to be within the hub city as well, or are they going to get to go home to their families? That's obviously something that we don't know, but I'm very much confident considering the amount of care and, and, and precision they've put into this plan that the NHL and the PA have discussed these things. And they're going to do everything in their power to make this as safe as possible.
1: Absolutely. Um, I guess moving on, I think you touched all, on all of it. I just wanted to shout you out for a couple podcasts ago. You called these two cities as the front runners, even when there were about, what, eight to <clears> 10, <throat> ten contenders still in there and, you know, viable candidates. You said, I think it's going to be Edmonton and Toronto. We'll look at you go, um, you know. Pat's on your back here. And then another thing I wanted to point out was something you said earlier during the whole quarantine mess is that, um, you know, it's going to be a real shame if at one point the players are the ones getting all the tests and there just aren't that many for the public. And honestly, right now, it kind of seems like that's the direction that the public is going to be taking. So it's going to be weird to see how the NHL kind of juggles that and you know, tries to make themselves, I guess, not look greedy when they're using up all these tests that maybe not be available that for people that, you know, might need them a little more.
0: Yeah, I mean, if this was something that was going to be, uh, that was going to be taking, that was going to be starting around April 3rd, like 90 days ago, which holy crap, I can't believe that was three months ago, Uh <laughs> If this was something that was gonna be happening on April 3rd, yeah, that's something that you would take into consideration a lot more than you would now where tests are a lot more available. Uh, I've had the opportunity, I haven't yet, I will in the future, but I've had the opportunity where my doctors called me and said, you can come in and get tested. Symptoms are not, come in and get tested. So they're throwing it out there because it's becoming more available to the public. and. Again, man, stick taps to Gary Bettman. He mentioned that right from the onset. He said we're not going to be in a situation where we're taking away tests from the general public, from the first from the frontline workers that deserve to be able to be tested before these NHL players and athletes get tested. So he's very much aware that we're nothing but hockey players. And while this is a billion multi-billion dollar industry, there's other people that deserve to get tested first. So he's done an exceptional job of of you know being 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 able to recognize that from the very beginning. And at this point, tests are a lot more readily available where it might not be as big an issue. Yeah, it might be when you're doing 7, 8, 900 tests daily. Uh, but who knows, man? We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But as of right now, I don't think that that's as big of an issue as it was three months ago.
1: Um, last thing I wanted to get to before we head to the uh, back nine of the podcast, if you will, is uh, Bo Byram. The news kind of came out uh, earlier this week that Bo and Byram is going to be skating with the Avalanche in training camp. That kind of goes along with our conversation we had just a bit ago of, you know, if players decide not to come. And that's kind of what I feel it is, kind of an insurance for in case there's anybody that tests positive, anybody that decides they're not ready to go. Do you view it as that or do you view it as Byram going to get an actual look and very good chance we see him play here soon? so it could be both so
0: i mean for starters having bowen byram skate with the avalanche considering the fact that his season was cut short and there won't be much of a playoff run for him or the vancouver giants which as of right now we know that that's been you know halted as a like 100 days ago uh this is good experience for him. This is going to be like an elongated training camp, extra time for him. There isn't even an AHL for him to go to, so why not have him skate with the big boys? Why not have him be a black ace, be around the avalanche, be around this playoff run? Who knows how long it's going to go for, but the experience is, is immeasurable for a player like Bowen Byram of that age. But at the same time, you also have nine games before his first year of his entry-level deal gets kicked off the books. And... Who knows, man? Injuries happen. If the Avalanche wake up one morning and Zadorov and Barbario both test positive, and and uh, someone like Makar has something ailing him, and someone like Eric Johnson has got some sort of shoulder issue or knee issue or God knows whatever issue Johnson's got that day going on, and you need to pull out your tenth, eleventh, twelfth defenseman down the down down the depth depth chart, why not give Bowen Byram a shot? Why not give him a game? Why not give him ten to twelve to fifteen minutes? So. There is a possibility he's going to play. You're also going to see maybe players like Anton Lindholm in the mix before he gets there. But it's there's no reason not to have him there. At this point, he is the Avalanche's property. There's no junior hockey for him to play right now. There's no world juniors or uh, world championships for him to go to, uh, you know, assuming he may have made that team for Canada. There's no AHL playoffs for him to join, so why not have him with the big club taking advantage of this situation and just getting this experience, whether it's game experience or just being there for the ride?
1: I think being for, there for the ride is really the main thing here. Getting There's nothing Correct. like getting those reps in. You know, When you're playing D against a guy like Nathan McKinnon, it's a long way from the guys you were playing over. Um, You know, in junior. So I think that's going to be more important for him than anything because I don't see him getting much ice time, especially in a situation like this. Maybe if there was some regular season um, that they could play around with, then yeah, throw him in there. But these are games that matter, every single one of them. So uh, I think they'd rather go with somebody that they've seen do it before. They know what they can bring to an NHL game, especially if the stakes are a little bit higher like a guy like Anton Lindholm for example. So, um it'll be cur- it, you know fun to see how that actually plays out, but I don't see him getting too much time or love. Um I, I don't know. I don't Bednar doesn't strike me as a guy that really wants to roll the dice on something like that either. But of yeah, course, there's but- a lot of evaluation in practice before. We're practice
0: also in starts. a pandemic, so if five guys go down in one day with uh, positive tests or injuries or something because let's face it, nobody's played an actual game for about 120 days now uh, he might get a shot i'm not holding my breath on it but i think the avalanche are aware that there's a possibility they might have to play him and if they do they have nine games before his entry level deal kicks in so we'll see how it goes but again the main thing here is just having him there for the ride and that's going to be experience like no other for a player like that almost like a plan z you're saying exactly yeah there's a possibility it could happen
1: All right, guys, i got to remind you that this show is brought to you by DraftKings, and these days the sports landscape is constantly evolving, and this week is no different. Luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus of up to $1. $1000. This week is full of action from golf to European soccer and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. And that's not all. Head to the app right now and check out the special odds and promotions that will be available throughout the week to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is US based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to, to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. And to, to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign up offer to date. Right now, you don't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code MHS when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's promo code MHS for Mile High Sports to get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook.
0: Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
1: I know everybody loves our gambling stories, but DraftKings has been very good to me lately. I don't know if I'm just on a hot streak or, you know, there's some sort of connection with me and and the DraftKings app. But I've been gambling for the last 13 years, since I was 18, old enough to gamble online. And this might be the first time I ever actually cash out. I'm so excited. I love DraftKings. I I love La Liga, too. Yeah. Uh, I've not been going for
0: nearly as long as that, maybe a couple years for me, and I already feel like I'm overdoing it. So there's a 1-800 number for you there if you ever feel the need to call them. <laughs> I'm You're good. I'm there. good.
1: I'm responsible <laughs> about it. I don't have enough money to be losing like that. But we got to the first part of the negotiations between the NHLPA and the NHL, and that's just phase three and phase four. How are we going to get this thing started? There's a whole back half of the conversation to discuss, and that's kind of the business side of everything that they're talking about and there's just so much to unpack right now um as to what's being talked about talked about we're going to do our best to hit on the major points and you know make sure it's not boring because you know my thing is i love to analyze hockey right i like the x's and o's i like to what happens on the ice the business side of things never been my cup of tea, but right now this is monumental. I would say very I mean, much is, so. Yes, that's yeah. the right word. And you know, you and I are a lot different because I, I nerd out on the
0: on the business side. It might be my MBA coming into play here with the nerdy side for me. But the collective bargaining agreement, the lockouts, and all the things that come with it, I just love nerding out on this stuff and these negotiations. And you said it, man. Monumental. The information that Elliot Friedman came out with today. It's no wonder that. James Van Riemsdyk, who was on the return to play committee uh, a couple weeks ago, he was getting interviewed and he said, I've been on the phone more in the last two months than I have my entire life. And it's because the NHL and the PA are discussing a lot of things more than we thought they would be at this point, more than what's necessary to get the games going. They're going above and beyond to really make sure that for the first time in Gary Bettman's tenure as the commissioner of the NHL, that we don't have a lockout or any kind of, uh, uh, a halt in the in in play at the end of a collective bargaining agreement that there is for the first time an extension, and the things that they're discussing again monumental. So Elliot Friedman came out with an article today, and he just sort of shot through a lot of things, and I think a lot of them are worth touching on and discussing.
1: Yeah, you kind of cracked the can right open there with the uh, extension of the CBA. There's not going to be a lockout in 2022, it looks like, which is going to be huge. I mean, not just for us hockey fans who get so disappointed every time there's a lockout that we just have to sit there on our hands and not watch hockey, but just – for the health of the sport, the health of the business of the NHL. I mean, it's so detrimental for them to miss a half a year, an entire year, like we've seen them do in the past couple lockouts. So, um, you know, getting ahead of it now, I, I, I love what I'm seeing. And theres if there's one thing we can all agree on, is that we don't want another freaking lockout. Absolutely, man. And and I think with the
0: pandemic coming into play, we discussed this many months ago. I mentioned this uh, about a month and a half ago, but this negotiation has been a lot easier in a sense not easier in terms of what we're discussing because nobody expected to discuss a pandemic but it's been easier in the sense that the nhl and the pa are sort of working together against the current events and the situation that the world is in rather than me versus you and for the Mm -hmm. first time it's not a me versus you situation and because of that they're coming to the table everybody's angry but they're not angry at each other they're angry together at the situation and want to really put pen to paper to get this job done and it looks like they're all but guaranteed to have that done by the end of this weekend hell maybe by the time you guys listen to this podcast
1: well what's nice i think for the first time in any of these negotiations i think the players hold so much leverage I they, mean, do. they they say hey you want us to play well it's got to be by our rules and you know there's a lot of things that we've had problems with over the last year so you i really like that you know the last thing you want to see is the rich owners get richer. I mean, it's not like the uh, players aren't well off or anything, but yeah, they're the ones making the money. They deserve to have more of the say, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, in regards to this season, they've already been paid for completely. So if the NHL players wanted to not play, obviously that would affect escrow moving forward. But as an owner, you're not going to be okay with, sticking it to your players and making them lose money when in reality you're going to lose a hell of a lot of money too the owners want this to happen probably more than the players do at this point um and that was you know that's shown in in the details that came out with this article that Friedman uh, released today and you know we can touch on a few of those things but it really looks like the players got a hold of a lot of things uh they, they gave a little bit back in terms of some things which we'll discuss
1: but for the most part, man, the players really are getting a lot out of this, and I really like it. Yeah, and that brings us to the next topic that I wanted to touch on was the escrow. I mean, the, there's caps now moving forward when you know the players really could have gotten screwed. The owners really had the upper hand there um, for years— ahead of this year you know they could have really had to forfeit a lot of their escrow money there and so the caps and the future splits are really fair i mean for the first time it just seems like everybody's agreeing that this is the fairest way to move forward and again you know if they aren't willing to cap it the owners um and make it reasonable then they're just pieces of crap at this point because there needs to be flexibility on on all sides right now right
0: Yeah, everybody has to sort of lose the same and everybody has to win the same. So if you're a player, you have to be able to understand that you're going to lose a little bit with the owners. And if you're an owner, you cannot pin this entire pandemic and the losses that came from it financially on the players because it's not the players' fault. So it's just great to see them working together. So in regards to those caps, just to sort of get into that they're going to cap the escrow at 20% next season. And the reality is every player is going to pay 20% because the salary cap, just to give you a quick rundown of how it works, the salary cap is based off of a 50-50 split of HRR hockey-related revenue. So when you have an $81.5 million salary cap, that means 81.5 multiplied by 31 teams is how much the NHL brings in from hockey-related revenues on a yearly basis. And it's split amongst the 31 teams and they can go ahead and uh, sign players up to that, cap. Now the tricky part is the salary cap is based off of a projection of what you think next year is going to be. So when you make an 81.5 salary cap for the 2020 season, you're assuming in the summer of 2020 not uh, of, of 2019 that this is how much the NHL is going to make, 81 and a half million multiplied by 31 teams. Suddenly a pandemic strikes, suddenly you're not going to make that much. You may be going to make 60% of that. So in order to counteract that other 40% the players get charged in escrow to give back the money that was not made based off of this projection. If you're still keeping up with me, basically this pandemic has cut the projected hockey related revenues by close to 40% is what the projections are. and. That means the players would have to give back 40% or half of that. So the NHL is doing a good job. The owners are doing a good job of telling the players, hey, we're not going to charge you this crazy amount. We're going to cap you at 20%. Give us back 20% because of the losses that we have both had together because of this pandemic. The following year, 2021 to 22, is going to be somewhere between 14 to 18%. And that depends on the revenue next season. So if next season we have fans and things are back to normal in full capacity, that it'll be closer to 14%. If the Pepsi Center can only have two or three thousand fans at a game, it'll be closer to eighteen percent. And then we go to ten percent in twenty-two-twenty-three with a maximum of six percent over the remaining term, which is three years because it's going to be a six-year extension so these are monumental numbers because now the players right off the bat you know coming into next year you're not going to be giving away half your salary to escrow and that's aside from taxes and all these other things that come into play as well so it really looks like the nhl did a great job of really giving some back to the players and the last thing i'm going to mention about that is that so the salary cap is gonna stay at 81 and a half million. That was supposed to drop down too, again, because projections next year are not gonna be as high as they were this year because of the pandemic and the possibility of not having fans for portions of the game next year. So the NHL is gonna keep the cap at 81 and a half for 2021, the season after that. And in the year three, it's gonna go up to 82 and a half, but they've also included this little point where the players can defer 10% of their payments next year to be paid back before the end of the six year term. So if you're Miko Ranton and next year you're getting paid 12 million, you're gonna get capped at 20% escrow on that 12 million. So you're looking at giving back a solid chunk of change in escrow. But if you defer a a 10% portion of that, so you're looking at 1.2 million deferred to another season, when that season comes around, the cap isn't the the escrow is not going to be twenty percent. It's going to be much lower, so you are going to get a lot of that money back. So it just again, man, they work together. I hope you guys kept up with that. I love numbers. I told you I geek out over this stuff, so it's fun for me to talk about. But they did an exceptional job of really coming together to to make it a win for the players, a win for the owners, and let's get through this pandemic and this financial crisis together.
1: Yeah, you know, at first glance, the escrow split seems kind of evil of the owners. You know, you kind of think of Montgomery Burns sitting there yeah. in a the press box. Excellent. Uh, but I get why they do it, to protect their money and their revenues and just in case something terrible happens. But I don't think they ever foresaw or predicted something this terrible happening. So Nobody did, yeah. Again, it's, it's nice to see that the ownership of the NHL is willing to give a little bit of flexibility to make it as fair as possible and not <laughs> be the greedy bastards we all think they are.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I love that the players are able to work with them. Like, here's the thing. Right now, tentatively, next season is going to start sometime in early December. Bob McKenzie tweeted that today. Obviously, fluid situation. Things could change. We don't know when fans are going to be back around in the stadium. You know, that whole conversation we've been having for four months. But I just love that the players are able to give back in the sense where the owners are like, okay, if things are back to normal next year as they were in the past This is what we'll cap you at. But if we have to only have no fans or some fans at some portion of the season and things are still kind of dire, then we need to sort of have a little bit more give back from you. And the players are like, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So it's it's again, it's great that they're working together to sort of get themselves
1: through this together. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Best case scenario for all of them. The next point I wanted to get into, you kind of touched on it, and maybe I have it a little wrong, was the 10% pay deferred for next season. Now, you're, you're saying that it might be optional?
0: It's an optional thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's something that's optional. Uh, I can double check on that. But whether it's optional or not, the reality is 10% of your payment is deferred to a future year and that future year is going to be when the owners have more cash flow because of the pandemic and and the financial dire the dire financial situation is going to put a lot of people in um and make no mistake man a lot of these owners can afford it off the, off the bat but a lot of these owners can't at the same time you know i we, we've heard people like tom dundon the owner of the carolina hurricanes talk about how He's not really making money, but he wants to own a hockey team. We heard it from the Pigulas in Buffalo too, and that's why they sort of went on their crazy uh, firing stream last month or last couple weeks ago, whatever it was. So this is going to give the owners an opportunity to hold that cash and pay it back at a later date with a little bit of an interest in the the sense where they're not going to get as much escrow from the players at that point. But at that point they're going to have more cash flow coming in from the nhl moving back up to a multi-billion dollar industry uh that it's it makes more sense for everybody to wait and to defer that
1: they got to keep the ahl afloat somehow too as well i mean yeah that's something that every team kind of has to keep an eye on as well that that's um, which... a
0: league that's a league sorry to cut you off that's a league that without fans they cannot operate they don't have the tv revenue coming in that the nhl does and. They actually just switched commissioners. They're now or, or presidents. They're now being run by Scott Housen, the former GM of the of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that was something that was put into play about a month, uh, about a year ago. Betcha Scott Housen never thought that he was going to come in right with a pandemic. And God bless him, man. He's 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 got a lot of work on his hands. He is the president now, as of about a month ago. But they need to be held afloat somehow, and they're going to need fans in the stands.
1: Yeah, everybody's got to give a little for the common goal. Correct, kind of what you see going on there. It's tough to see the players have to sacrifice a little bit of kind of what they've earned, so to speak. But, you know, they make a lot of money anyway. But that is another thing that was uh, kind of brought up by Elliot Friedman is that the minimum salary is now going to be raised, um, you know, in the next couple years. Which is good to see for, you know, those teeter-totter players, the ones that go back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. I don't think I've ever said teeter-totter so many times on a podcast. (laughs) but uh you know it, it's it's big for those guys i think and and something you want to see it's t- i always feel bad for the guys that come into the nhl locker room trying to make a name for themselves and you know if they were to stay around a whole year or if they did stay around a whole year they're not even making a million dollars while they're surrounded by guys who are just floating in cash so breaking
0: in cash yeah so Right now, the league min is 700000 and that's what a player like Valerie Nichushkin gets paid. Next year, it will be seven hundred and fifty, and by the end of this deal, being the six-year extension, it'll
1: reach 800000 which is a big win for those kind of players. Absolutely. Then the very last point I wanted to get to, and I'm sure we still have a few that you want to get to, um, but uh, is the Olympics. It sounds yes, like the NHL yes, yes, will yes. be figuring out the Olympics, and man, that's a relief and a breath of fresh air for all of us because as much as I understood um, you know, the NHL's stance on not going to the, NA- to the Olympics last time, it was a bummer and it was just not as fun to watch and I just simply didn't really care. And the IOC realized that, the International Olympic Committee, they realized that the NHL
0: sort of has a lot more pull in this than they expected because look man you and I are both soccer guys and and we love soccer like hell and and the world cup in 2018 was amazing for me because I'm a big France fan but let's not make a mistake FIFA is probably the most corrupt uh, uh, organization you can find out there well the IOC is right up there with FIFA man they are battling as hard as they can to take that to dethrone FIFA and be the number one most corrupt organization you can find and and uh Right now, in terms of NHL players going the Olympic participation for both 2022 and 2026, which by the way, by then McKinnon will be 31 and probably still centering the top line, uh, is guaranteed pending agreement with the IOC. Now, pending the agreement with the IOC means it's not officially done yet, but I do think the IOC will will give a little bit back in order to make it work. I mean, look, man, the NHL gets a shit end of the deal with the IOC every time they send their players to the Olympics. One of their players goes down with an injury in 2014. The last time they were there was John. Tavares and the Islanders organization was pissed let me tell you on top of that the NHL doesn't get to use any of their any of the Olympic highlights they don't get to market anything they have to pay a ton of money just to use the golden goal that Crosby had from 2010 and they don't get to market. So the, the their players are the ones that make up 90% of these rosters, but they don't get to market them at all. So the IOC is going to have to give back. So there's the big stickler right there. It's pending an agreement with the IOC. But just the fact that the NHL owners and the NHL in general are willing to have participation in 22 and 26, especially 2022 when the season might still be out of whack, trying to get back to the usual October to June uh, schedule that we're used to, it's it's monumental for me that they've told the players, you know what, you can have this.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it's just... You know, how excited are Canadians going to be to finally get their Nathan McKinnon and, and Connor McDavid on the same Kale McCar, McCarr, man. Kale, Kale McCarr is going to be there, too. It's going to be a great tournament, that 2022 I'm just ex- one. I'm excited to see how Team USA evolves. You know, I Me think too. there's a lot of young guys that can really maybe step up and, and make some noise. I mean, we've been hoping for that in the last couple World Juniors and been a little bit disappointed, but I think if you comprise an NHL roster, it could be stronger than NHL rosters we've seen since maybe the mid to late 90s. Yeah, I mean, like, in
0: 2010, when the when, when Team USA got to the gold medal game, they had veterans like Chris Drury and Jamie Langenbrenner playing big roles on those teams, and those are some classic names right there. But this time, you're going to have older guys, older veterans like Paul Stastny, Blake Wheeler, either not make the team, or if they do make it, play limited roles because you have the Kachuk brothers, you have Eichel, you have Austin Matthews, you have all of these young guys. On defense, you got you got. Quinn Hughes, you have Seth Jones, you have Zach Wierenski, you, they got a lot of guys, man, and I'm just excited to see Connor Hellebuck and John Gibson and Nett, both of those guys might be better than whoever Canada puts up on the other side, so it's going to be a lot of fun, obviously, I'm Canadian, Canada all the way, and Canada's going to win the gold, let's, you know, not get that twisted, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the NHL back in the Olympics, assuming that they can get this agreement with the IOC done. I'm with you,
1: not about Canada winning the gold, but the last part you said sure yeah whatever you say team usa second team spain if they ever make it um (laughs) uh, a couple of the points you wanted to get to um go for them here so here's uh a
0: couple of the big ones for me that the players won and the second one the avalanche won so the first one where i say the players won is that uh for starters no move and no trade clauses now travel with a player now, why is that relevant? It's relevant because you have a player like Nazem Kadri who was supposed to get traded to the Calgary Flames and he used his no trade clause to say no, he wants to stay in Toronto. A month later, a trade came up with the avalanche and he's like, you know what? Toronto's really trying to get rid of me. I'm going to make that trade. He's in Denver now. Joe Sakic can trade him next year. If Alex Newhook comes out of nowhere, scores 40 points in 20 games, and he's saying, why the hell do I have Kadri? I don't need him. I can bring in a defenseman. He can trade Kadri. Well, now in the future, when a player like Kadri accepts a trade to Colorado, now he comes to Colorado knowing, okay, you know what? Toronto traded me, but you guys are stuck with me for two years. I'm not moving. I want to be settled. I want to be in the city. So that's a big win for the players. Uh, The other thing that's a big win for the players is that salary bonuses is going to stay exactly the same. Toronto gave out 40 sheets worth of salary uh, on July 1st, a couple of days ago. Marner, Matthews, Nylander, these guys combined for 40 million. The Avalanche only paid out 2 million to Kadri actually uh, and a couple of lower salaries for guys like McCar and those entry level deal guys. but players can start can still load their contracts up with you know a 15 million contract where it's 14.3 in a salary cap bonus that's paid in one installment and then only 700K over the season. So you're ultimately getting all your money up front. Who wouldn't like that? So that's a big win for the players. The one that is a win for the owners is that players age 35 and older now, when they retire, their cap comes off the books. So when Jerome McGinley signed that three-year deal in Colorado, if he wanted to retire after year two, Colorado would have been on the hook for 5.3 million in that third year. Now, Jerome McGinley retires in that third year, off the books, uh, the owners can use that money for, you know, another player that can actually help their team.
1: And that's, I mean, with the Avalanche, sorry to interrupt you there, but, like, you think back at the recent years and how – big of a pain in the ass that's been i mean with brad stewart brad stewart French, that was a terrible even yep. cody they mcleod doing had an extra year on that
0: they kept doing it and and mm-hmm. it was a mistake every time they did it i mean toronto did it with patrick marlowe and it costed them a first round draft pick from this year that they had to give away just to get rid of marlowe and get him off of their books because you can't force him to retire he retires you're still on the books for it so that's a big win for the owners in my opinion and now here is the one that's a win for the avalanche. Now stick with me on this. I will put this in writing over the next week and you guys can can read it, find it on my Twitter and on milehighsports.com. But the salary cap, I touched on this a couple of minutes ago. It was 81 and a half million this year. It is going to remain 81 and a half next year and the year after that in 2022 slash 23 it's going to go up to 82 and a half and the year after that the cap can start to raise as long as the nhl reaches 4.8 billion dollars in salary and hockey related revenues which more than likely that will happen now here is why the avalanche went right now at the top of the cap in the league is the Arizona Coyotes, and they don't count because half of their guys are Datsukes and Prongers and these guys and Boland and all these guys that aren't really getting paid. They're just there to eat up cap space. Tied for first, Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs paid out $95 million this year in real cash, and their cap space is 81.5. I kind of feel bad for them because Kyle Dubas signed these contracts for Marner and Matthews and Tavares and Nylander and gave away all of this money with the assumption that rightfully so the NHL is going to see a rate arise in hockey related revenue because there's two big factors on top of the fact that Gary Bettman has made the NHL a constantly evolving and growing business two things the Seattle expansion is 650 million dollar buy-in is a massive gain Second thing is the US TV deal, which is gonna happen in a couple years. It might be ESPN, it might be NBC again, it might be ABC, NBC, but it might be a mixture of all of them. The NHL is gonna do whatever it can to get as much money as possible, and this is gonna bring in a ton of hockey-related revenue, and these two things, Seattle and the TV deal, were expected to raise the cap by a ton. Now, the cap's not gonna raise, so what does that mean? That means teams like Toronto, Dallas, St. Louis, Vancouver, Philadelphia, those are your top five teams all of those teams are going to have to trade away players in order to stay under the cap that extra cap space that they thought they were going to have is no longer going to be there pittsburgh same thing calgary same thing tampa bay god help them same thing so now you go all the way down the list here's the bottom four teams new jersey lottery team Ottawa rebuilding lottery team. LA rebuilding lottery team. Boom. Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche are such are in such a good cap situation that over these next three years, while other teams are unloading players. Colorado can go all in on winning the Stanley Cup and aside from this 2020 tournament which they have a very reasonable chance of winning over the next three seasons Colorado can really win one or two cups on top of possibly winning this year because all these other teams are going to be trading away players the Avalanche are going to be in a good situation yes they're going to give Makar some money yes they're going to give Landeskog money and Grubauer possibly some money but they're in such a good situation in terms of having the right guys under contract that they're going to be a contender even more so than they were already expected to be for the next three years and possibly a Stanley Cup team, a multiple-time Stanley Cup champion over these next few years. The only teams that I sort of feel like could give them a run are teams like the Rangers who are also in a good cap situation in Boston because obviously their entire top line took team-friendly deals. And here's the best part. After year three, when the cap can finally go up by three, four, five, six million, that's the summer McKinnon needs a new contract, and that's when they're going to give him all the money.
1: Yeah, and they can even, you know, throughout the years, add a piece or two of those players that other teams are shedding. Yep. They're going to have that kind of room and flexibility, so that's such a great point, such a awesome thing for all Avalanche fans to look forward to. I, we we kind of had a feeling of that already, but this really solidifies that and how other teams are really going to struggle while the Avs are just sitting back, sitting pretty um so yeah i mean we
0: we yeah we mentioned pavel francouz a couple minutes uh or earlier in the podcast and if pavel francouz is your starting goalie is that really a problem no no okay and how much is pavel francouz going to make over the next two years very little two million dollars yeah. he signed a two-year four million dollar extension so over the next two years he's only going to make two million a year and that's again a big win in their books if they don't resign group hour they can use that cap space elsewhere. So it really puts the Avalanche in a situation where they could be the next Chicago, the
1: next Los Angeles that wins multiple cups. Man, that would be great to be back to the days of old. I know we've all been watching old footage of you know old games. The other day I was watching the, uh, what was it, 1999 game between the Avalanche and the Florida Panthers. And that's just what made teams great is they had so much talent that they grew up themselves that they had within the organization but you still got to add a piece or two you still got to add a cadre you still got to add a big name here to really fill out the rest of the team to make a true championship contender and they're going to have plenty of room to do that i can't wait to watch
0: yeah for sure and i mean even someone like burakovsky's needs a new contract but what's he going to make five maybe six landis makes 5.7 million how much more than that is he really going to ask for Probably not more than a million more than that. I mean, I could see Landis Glock signing a $6 million deal. Uh, who knows? But I, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but this cap situation puts the
1: avalanche in an exceptional spot over the next three to four years. That's great. Can't wait to watch nothing but bright skies ahead. Um, that's all I really have on the docket before we get into our uh, last little bit that ends every show. Anything you want to throw out there before we get to it? I think I've blabbered enough, man. Let's move it yeah. forward. All right, let's wrap this up and get to the social media moment of the week. This one is my pick, usually their Arabs pick. I'm going with it this week. And that's uh because I was scrolling through my timeline on Twitter the other day and came across a, a strange tr- tweet from Tory Smith, who's the for, former wide receiver, I think, for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if he's in the NFL or not anymore, but his tweet says, Pickles don't belong on chicken sandwiches, and I was like, "What? What? Why is this on my timeline?" Then I see at the top, Gabe Landeskog liked this tweet, which you really don't see that too often from him unless it's something related to him or related to the Avalanche. So, my or something he apparently really believes. Yeah. In. So my question to you, Arif, is: Do pickles belong on chicken sandwiches? absolutely 100
0: percent. i am always an extra pickles kind of guy and i will take that to the grave with me and i'm gonna have a word with landis about this it's a love
1: it or hate it kind of thing right i mean there's there's no in between
0: you're either all in or you're all out and landis seems like he's on the wrong side of that
1: i'm with you and obviously the first thought that comes to my mind is a chick-fil-a sandwich no free ads but yeah you know and i gotta have pickles on that sandwich it also has to be a spicy sandwich for me
0: yeah, for sure. And like I said, I'm an extra pickles kind of guy, so I'm always asking for those extras. Do you really? So Will you, a if great... you're at
1: Chick-fil-A, do you say, can I have extra pickles?
0: Absolutely, wow. 100%. Why not? I don't know. I've never, <laughs> never seen that, I guess. That's, that's a rarity.
1: you <laughs> might have just lost some fans for that. Um.
0: I don't know, man. There's a lot of things that people might not like about my food choices, but you know what? I'm just here to talk hockey and here to tell Landeskog that he is absolutely incorrect. Pickles. <laughs> do belong on chicken sandwiches.
1: All right, and that brings us to the Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week, brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And star number three, I'm going to give it to the hosts of Avalanche Talk podcast. Yes, yes Eric, sir. you and I. And that's because... For a couple reasons. Ever since quarantine started, you and I have been calling this and calling that, and it seems like we're right about a lot of things. Like I pointed out most recently, the hub cities, you you absolutely nailed. Um, We saw an anonymous player get quoted earlier this week about how this whole tournament is more of a cash grab, but players are going to fight through it, and they're going to do it anyway because they're hockey players, and that's the hockey culture, all things we've said in quarantine. Another thing is – I think we've recorded more podcasts during quarantine than we did during the actual NHL season. That's my fault. That's your fault. But I love the groove that we're getting into and I love our back and forth. So, Arif, just wanted to say thanks for joining me on this podcast the last, what, almost a year now. And uh, it's been a blast
0: yeah it's been a hell of a first season to be a part of this and you know it's not even done yet even though it should be and we should have been talking about uh taylor hall signing a one-year deal with the avalanche to go all in next year or something like that but instead we're talking about this upcoming tournament so i'm excited to see where it goes i'm excited to be correct about the avalanche winning a few cups in the next three years and i'm excited to keep dishing out these podcasts and connecting with our listeners. Yeah, and
1: I'm ready to get back to talking X's and O's and get back to talking Avalanche. Yes. We've been such an NHL podcast the last few months. I want to get back to being an Avalanche-only podcast. Start number two, I'm going to give it to Alexander Georgiev, and that's the uh, one of the goaltenders over there with the New York Rangers. I know some of you saw my tweet, but on his way back to New York to head to training camp for the rangers it was spotted him in the airport wearing a broncos hat now i don't know the story i don't know if he's actually a broncos fan probably not he maybe just likes the logo but to see an nhl player supporting the broncos i'm not even a big broncos fan but i love denver i love the sports if i had to pick an nfl team it's the broncos so shout out to you gorgev let's let's go broncos
0: yeah the broncos are uh one of the storied franchises of the nfl and i mean are you a lions fan i was following them (sighs) <sighs> unfortunately yes kind of and I hate that I am because they suck but uh <laughs> I mean I, I I went on I jumped on the bandwagon for the Broncos about five six years ago when Peyton Manning jumped in because I love greatness and I love seeing the great players play as long as they can and that's why I'm going to be going all in on the Buccaneers this year with Tom Brady um it's always great to go all in on other teams because the Lions are never going to really do much because they are just the terrible franchise and it sucks and it hurts what, but you what know.
1: about CFL do you have a CFL team we got a lot of Canadian. Listeners. I don't.
0: I I I enjoy watching the uh, Grey Cup final every year but i don't really have a cfl team i just enjoy watching it because it's just such a canadian cultured event and i i'm i'm all about that man july 1st just you know canada day was just around the corner a couple days ago and i get into this prideful canadian mode it's 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 home for me and i just love watching the cfl because of that but i don't really have a team but yeah i mean back to georgiev that's that's awesome to see that he's wearing a broncos hat and i hope he's actually a fan and um, eventually when he's maybe playing here, he'll be able to go to more Broncos games.
1: <laughs> You're just trying to recruit everybody over
0: here, aren't you? Uh, let bring all the goalies in, man. The Avalanche had crap goalies for like 15 years and now they got two good ones and I'm, I'm okay with them having two more. Yeah, exactly. Who, who knows who's going
1: to stick around and uh, who's going to be healthy. Star number one. He's been star number one before, but we got to give it to him this time for he's, he's taken his last cancer treatment. That's Oscar Lindblom. He's even back on the yep. ice, and uh, it's just good to see. It was just a short time ago that we were giving him the first star because he was diagnosed, and we. Th- I thought it was going to be a longer fight and a longer process for him, but it's good to see him um, bouncing back, I guess, pretty quickly here. Hockey players always come back from their injuries
0: quickly, even when it's a terminal illness like cancer. And Watching that video was so heartwarming on, on Twitter. On, uh, on the internet, on Twitter, it was circulating everywhere. It's uh, of him ringing mm-hmm. the bell for his last cancer treatment and all the nurses that, that had supported him and helped him along the way sitting there, standing there clapping for him. And then he did the biggest hockey move, and I absolutely loved the hell out of it. He said, I have a present for you. And he reached into his bag and pulled out a Philadelphia Flyers, Oscar Lindblom signed jersey, and he gave it to them. And it was just – it was a heartwarming thing, and it was, it was the type of good news that we needed after –
1: you know, all these months of, of dealing with what we've been dealing with. Boy. Yeah. You're spot on there. Um, so that being said, I don't know if you can hear the fireworks that are going off in my neighborhood, but they've been going off this whole time. So seems like a good place to wrap it up. Some good news. You know, we've been trying to end these podcasts on good news lately, since it's kind of been harder and harder to do, but the passing weeks, but thanks for joining us. I hope you guys all have a happy 4th of July. Don't forget to uh, download DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Um, Hopefully we get to you guys here next week. Maybe not, because I think Arab's going to be out of town. I will be in Detroit, but I am
0: always down to record, and I'm going to be gone until the 12th, and training camp is expected to start on the 13th. I don't know what kind of access I'm going to have to the Avalanche, but I will be more than happy to record one more podcast before then and then hopefully in two podcasts from now we will be able to talk about hockey that we saw the avalanche play with our own two eyes and i am so excited
1: for it awesome yeah we'll figure it out but uh i hope you join us then and thank you for joining us now uh that's all i got for you for jj no for erif i'm jj we out you